We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it's episode 95, and we are ready to talk some Browns. Joining us to do it, a, another special guest from Channel 5. He won an Emmy as the host of Browns Countdown. It's the one and only John Doss joins us. We're going to talk Browns. We're going to talk about the win over the Ravens. What on earth the team is even going to look like this week against the Raiders. The Cavaliers are on a roll. So coming up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair. Crack open a cold one and join us for Garage Beers. Welcome on in, everybody, to episode number 95 of the Garage Beers podcast. You can go find us on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, along with a lot of other great podcasts. By the way, boys, uh, honored. I haven't even brought them in yet, but we are honored. Belly Up Sports uh, tagged us in a post uh, just yesterday, I believe, that uh, we are we are we've been named a finalist. They give out a podcast of the year award every year, and we've been named one of the three finalists on Belly Up Sports. So we're honored for that. So shout out to Belly Up Sports. Thank you for that honor. Uh, we do appreciate that. They also honored us with episode of the year uh, as a nominee. Uh, and that's our Brandon Dubinsky episode we did, uh, episode 58. If you haven't listened to that, you should go check it out. Just Or if you <laughs> did listen to it, here's your gentle reminder. Go listen to it again because it was amazing. <laughs> Hockey night in Canada, no big deal. Sydney no Crosby. big deal. Sydney, Sydney Crosby was asked about it in an interview. No big deal. <laughs> uh, so again, shout out to Belly Up Sports. With you as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Go find me online at Garage Beers Mike. Uh, and with me as always, my two co-hosts. First over on the east side of Cleveland, find him online at Garage Beers Chad. It's Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? Hey, guys. No, no, that is not okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Hi! Hi! <laughs> oh boy, it is a beautiful night here out on the porch. I mean, I know I've been I've been I've been roughing it these last couple of weeks in the freezing cold. Uh, but yeah, I don't even have to wear shoes out here tonight, guys. I can wear you know, my socks. Uh uh, I'm drinking some beers. Uh uh, uh you know, that's all it's what I got. That's what I got for you guys. I love it. I love it. It was it was a beautiful day today up here. I, I was not expecting it. I I went to take the dog out and I was expecting it to be freezing and it was not free. I put my coat on. I was like, I don't think I even need the coat. Like it was nice up here. So more beautiful December weather up here in Cleveland and Chad over there in his socks 
on the uh, on the all seasons room enjoying life. Do your thing, global warming. Do your thing. <laughs> okay. No. no, maybe stop that a little bit. And speaking of somebody who probably <laughs> wants that to stop a little bit, down there in Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> where weather has not been so good lately. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Find him online at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. Hey, you're alive. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> ha- literally happy to be here. No, I mean, it wasn't like we had like crazy, you know, all those tornadoes that went through, what was it, last Friday night? Something like that. And there was yep, one that I think so. Yeah. There was one like <laughs> pretty close. Like we got hit with like 100 plus mile an hour winds at our apartment here. Like a bunch of like water come in and soak up our couch and rug and all that fun stuff. Has it been like that the whole? I can't remember. Like when you first went to college down there because oh, you went we down were to just Belmont. talking about this. Was was it was it Tornado Alley down there when you moved down there? Because I feel like it wasn't. Well, I don't I wouldn't I don't think it was. Um well, I think we lived in areas where it just there weren't like tornado issues. And now that we're kind of older and moving a little further away from the city, we're in some areas that are a lot closer to things now. Um uh, there definitely hasn't been like the downtown type threat of tornadoes as much. We've had two in the past two years. Uh like Friday and then a couple you know, a couple of years ago, the one went through downtown Nashville. Um, I saw that. We were also saying like maybe that. that was crazy. Yeah. Maybe just since that one that came through downtown Nashville two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic, we're like, oh, maybe we're just like noticing it now. Maybe it's always been here. And now we're actually starting to like pay attention to it. I feel like I don't remember this. I feel like, you know, I, I think uh, Southern like Kentucky, Southern Ohio, Tennessee, you've always had some crazy weather down there, but like you guys are the new Oklahoma. Like you're ah, the new crazy. Oklahoma. You, you have the craziest shit happen down there in, in Tennessee that I think I've ever seen. And, and Kentucky. And, and, you know, first of all, I don't mean to make light of this. There, there's some crazy stuff that happened, especially in Kentucky. There were some towns that oh were gosh. absolutely it's wiped hor- out. It's horrible. So we're not making light of that kind of situation. But just talking about your specific life, like, yeah, you guys have gone. You're like. You're part of like just the crazy weather part belt of well, the country me, now. Me and Maddie are both from, you know, one Ohio, which doesn't have dangerous weather, uh, re- like literally compared to anywhere else. Well, Cleveland, weather. Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. Uh, and then Seattle, I mean, doesn't necessarily have dangerous weather where Maddie's from. So it's like we came here and we just didn't take it seriously. And then now we've seen like some effects of severe weather. We're like, oh, OK, I, I don't want to I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Boys, I am 19 years old. Okay, I'm going. I go to Ashland University uh, for college, right? It's a uh, okay, it's a okay, 19 year old guy. What's up? Warm, What's up, fellow kids? It's a warm September <laughs> night. Okay, it's a warm September night, and I'm coming back for, uh, to school from 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 uh, like spending a weekend at home. I forget what I was up 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 at home for. So I'm coming back. To school, uh, right? So it's just an hour from from the exit, getting off at Brooklyn, on the way down to Ashland. It is exactly an hour. So I get down to on seventy one. It's just straight down seventy one. I get to the Lodi Prime outlets, right? And for anybody who doesn't know, obviously, if you go down seventy one, uh, Ashland, Ohio, is in Ashland County, and you hit Lodi, and it goes like this: it goes Medina, Wayne, and Ashland County. I get to about route 18, right? I see the clouds just darkening up. I'm like, oh shit, this looks bad. Okay. 
And then it just, 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 it was a terrible storm. I couldn't see for like a quarter of a mile, but I get out of it real quick. And I'm like, okay. So then I get down to Lodi. All of a sudden, I see, start to see the clouds darken up again. And then the uh, emergency alert system comes out over the radio. The National Weather Service has issued a tornado warning for Medina, Wayne, and Ashland County. Okay? So I go, oh, no, I better get back to Ashland very quickly. Uh, so I kick it up to about 120 on the highway because I figured a reckless op is uh, a little less important than, you know, my life. So I get to about the middle of Wayne County. I look out into the fields out there. I see about three or four funnel clouds starting up. Oh, and I see no. two tornadoes. I see two tornadoes drop down out of the sky. Oh. So I kick it up to I kick it up to about 130. <laughs> I kick it up to about 130. So I'm making my way. I'm almost to Ashland County. All of a sudden, I see whoop, 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 whoop. Behind me, a police officer decides to pull me over because I'm going as fast as I can to try to get the fuck out of the way of a tornado. Okay? What? So he pulls me over, and he goes, you know why I stopped you? I go, and this is literally word for word is what I said. I go, uh, I don't know, because I'm running away from the funnel of death out there in the field? And he goes, ah, we get those all the time. I'm like, could you just please hurry? Dude just gives me a ticket. Dude gives me a ticket. <laughs> get out of here. And, I, and I'm on my way back going like I peel the fuck out of the shoulder. And I'm on my way back to Ashland. I make it back to Ashland. Uh, but luckily, you know, I went to court because to explain my story, because, yeah, I, I'm going to get out of this ticket. Oh, they, yeah. They, I mean, there's that. no way they're not going to let me. So I go to court and I argue it. They they do let me out of it. And that was it. But it was just my, that's my wacky torn at one tornado story that I, I've ever happened. Never I don't happened. get out people in cars like, like figure. I mean, I know if you're listening to the radio, they have the emergency like signal that broadcast over. But like, you know, now you have like Apple CarPlay and you have like Spotify playing. Like, you don't get those warnings, right? And like, we we can see the highway, you know, from our apartment here. So we there's a direction that was going in towards the storm where they were reporting touchdowns and stuff. And we're like, oh, like what? What do you? What's the plan there? Like you're driving straight towards a tornado right now. Like what, what's, what's going to happen? And like nothing did, but like, man, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Hey, we're glad you survived. Chad, we're glad you survived. Uh, you were said you were 19. So that was about 42 years ago. We're glad you survived uh, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And boys, we've got, we've got a great you, episode here. Uh, what? Wait, you, what? You, you didn't have, you didn't have anything close out there in flatland BG. Uh, last no, no, never, no. Really? No, it was always windy. Uh, I wow. don't. I, in my four, in my four years of Bowling Green, I don't think we ever had one significant weather event. Really? Huh? No, I That's think shocking I think, to me. I think we had some some. Again, it's the flattest, windiest place on the planet. But no, I don't. I don't ever remember. Never a tornado warning ever. That I yeah. ever saw out there. Not to say that they don't happen out there, uh, but not that I remember. Nothing imminent. Uh, nothing that ever hit Bowling Green. Like I said, I, I don't think there was ever a weather event. I think we would have random snowstorms and the windiest place on the planet. You would. Well, you're uh, you're you're 56. You could easily forget. I see how it is. No, oh, very fair. Oh, oh, using my own joke <laughs> against me. Oh no. Not gonna Full happen. circle. Full not gonna circle. Happen. Uh, Full boys, circle. 
it is going to be an awesome episode. By the way, if you're not following the episode, get onto our social media at The Garage Beers. Follow us on everything, uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. Uh, we've got some, let's just say we're going to tease some very exciting things. First of all, episode 100 is coming in January. And as of right now, we, Chad and I have actually already interviewed one special guest, and it is literally one of the craziest special guests we have ever had on this podcast. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. And we're working out a couple other things as well. Uh, so check that out. Make sure you're ready for that. Also, there's some other things in the works for the Garage Beers podcast. So you'll have to kind of keep an eye on that. But uh, go follow us everywhere on our socials. We got a great episode tonight. John Doss. If you if you know the Browns, you know John Doss from Channel 5. He's got like the golden voice. He talks about the Browns. He's joining us tonight. We can't wait to have him on. But before we get to John, it is time for us to get to our favorite episode of the week. And that is our Garage Beers of the Week. And so, boys, uh, you know, Joe, just because you survived some crazy weather, let's start it with you, buddy. Down oh, in Nashville, yeah. what's your garage beer this week? I, You know, I I haven't been on. I've been so, like, spotty being on the podcast recently, which apologies for that. Yeah, but no shit. I uh, was Dick. expecting more diversity <laughs> in my beer fridge because I just am not drinking a whole lot of beer right now. And I went in there today and – it's like kind of everything I've already had on the show, like the past three times I've been on. Um, so I decided to change it up a little bit. So I had some eggnog in the fridge and oh. I had some uh, Cleveland Christmas whiskey. And um, I had a Cleveland or I have a uh, Cleveland Christmas whiskey and eggnog. Ooh. And okay. I, I, think, Ooh. I don't know. I mean, like eggnog's fantastic. It's It's an interesting drink. Uh, you don't like feel great after like, it's not like, it's not like, you know, you go for like a run and you're trying to like quest, quench your thirst with some eggnog. Um, definitely like a, more of like a sipping type thing. Um, so I'll I'll try not to drink this too fast. Boys, I have a confession to make. I have a confession to make. I've never had eggnog. Not once in my life. Have I ever had eggnog? Eggnog. Uh I have to tell you, eggnog is one of those things that I love. I love eggnog mm-hmm. and, and I've got like the I've got like the Nespresso machine here. So I'm doing eggnog lattes because Starbucks got rid of them. The bastards. Uh, yeah, they don't do them anymore. It's pieces of trash. Sure. See if I see if I show up at your very overly priced and, and, and first world people establishment again, which I probably will uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, they got rid of them. But I, I love eggnog, but I don't begrudge. Eggnog's one of those things where you don't begrudge like. When somebody says to me they don't like yeah. steak, I'm like, you're an idiot for right. not liking steak. Or when somebody says they don't like, I don't know, whatever. There's certain things where you're like, everybody likes that. Don't be stupid. Eggnog's one of those things where you're like, if somebody's like, I, I just don't like eggnog, you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm with like, you. Like, it, you there's just, a taste to it, but I love it. There's a taste to it, and like it's it's a certain kind mm-hmm. of like consistency and texture where like it's not something that, like I don't know, appeals to the masses. Um, I feel like you should at least try it, though. Yeah, agreed. Oh, yeah. I, I'm willing to try it. I am open to trying it. I mean, but, you're uh, 57 yeah. right now, right? Is that what we said? Is that what we <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, no, no. You Mike's lived a 56. long life, Chad. It's been quite a while. It's been quite a ride, Joe, let me tell you. Tra- yeah. traditionally, <laughs> traditionally, you spike it with like a spiced rum, but you can also do bourbon. 
Uh, well, I, I didn't I have like any it. rum like in the house, and so I thought the Cleveland uh, Christmas bourbon. It makes sense. Uh, was perfect, and it's great because it's it's spiced with literal like nutmeg and all other great fantastic flavors. Yeah. So, uh, all right, Joey's going with the spiked eggnog. Chad, what are you doing for your garage beer this week? Well, guys, I'm finally getting rid of this uh, Sam Adams Holiday Variety. Pack. Jesus Christ! Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Did and, that thing uh, have a thousand beers in it? Uh, Thirty-seven, <laughs> to be exact. Thirty-seven. Is this going to be a different uh, beer from that pack? It is. <laughs> it, it is actually. And uh, I, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do was, I wanted to get to the store today, but the night got away from me like big time. I don't even want to fucking get into that. Uh, but. I wanted to go to the store today and get a, some sort of Christmas beer, especially since I'm not going to be here for the episode next week. I so, but luckily for me, what I had left over in this Sam Adams variety pack is the holiday Porter, the holiday yeah. Porter. It is uh roasted and robust. Uh, it's a very good uh, Porter. It's not very bitter. And uh, I don't know why I'm going into this accent, but I'm just going to roll with it. And uh, <laughs> please it, don't, it's a, please stop it. It's a it's a tasty beverage, guys. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, I love it. It's a uh, a little malty, and it's good. I can I can I confess something? Fuck you, Mike. I was, <laughs> I was at Costco. I was at Costco the other day, yeah. and I bought I bought the Sam Adams variety pack. Yeah, there you go. And, and it's great. Yeah. It really, it really is great. It's really great. Tasty beers in there. There's it's really beers great. In there. So <laughs> I, I, I was like, oh shit, that it's a good deal. I bought it, and it was great. So you know what? Shout out to you and Santa, Sam Adams, boys. That brings it to me, and I've got a, I've got a special one here tonight. Uh, and uh, there aren't many of these left out there because they really are uh, very kind of limited release. Uh, but I am doing one of my favorite beers that comes out every year. It's from uh, Goose Island uh, out of out of Illinois, out of Chicago. And every year, Goose Island releases their Bur- uh, Bourbon County series. And so there's like maybe six or seven beers that are different kind of barrel-aged stout beers that Goose Island releases. And they're not easy to get your hands on. So luckily, I was at that store in Westlake that I love that I don't remember what it is called, but it's on Detroit Road to fine wine and tobacco maybe. Um, and they had this and I picked one up. And so it is a bourbon barrel aged stout made this year. Uh, part of that bourbon County series. Uh, I, they had two bottles left at the store. I grabbed one and I'm having that tonight. It is, it is, uh, just again, you know, me, Chad, will make you laugh. It is that like that stout you can chew on, it is oh, yeah. barrel aged, so it's got that bourbon barrel taste to it. It's exceptionally strong. It is a fantastic beer. So I'm rolling with the Goose Island Bourbon County, uh, just the uh, the original, just the Bourbon County Stout, and it is it's it's a ten out of ten beer. It is awesome. Nothing makes Mike uh, nothing nothing nothing's uh, gets Mike's loins going more like curdled beer that you can chew in his mouth. <laughs> okay, oh. it's terrific! It's terrific. First of all, first of all, let's leave my loins out of the out of the podcast because ain't nobody want to hear about that. Ain't nobody need to hear about my loins. Two, you're right. Do you miss Simone's? Now that I live a little farther out west, no, because I yeah. still go to Simone's. It's fine. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Uh, so listen, those are our garage beers slash drinks of the week. 
Get online. Tell us what your garage beer slash drinks of the week are and give us some suggestions. If you have any suggestions uh, of things we should try on the podcast, especially as we hit the holidays here, let us know. We will try them. Uh, But you guys on the podcast, obviously, cheers to you guys. To you, the listeners, we say cheers. And now it's time to get in to the, the meat and potatoes of episode 95. And we're going to start with an awesome interview that we conducted with, again, from Channel 5, from Brown's Countdown, an awesome guy uh, and a guy that we definitely want to have a couple beers with in the future, but he couldn't do that with us tonight because he is doing the 11 o'clock news, so that would be inappropriate. We're going to send it over to the interview that we did with the one and only John Doss. All right, and now here on episode 95, we are very excited to bring in yet another special guest. Uh, This time it's a California guy who made his way to Cleveland back in 2019. He's a sports anchor on Channel 5, uh, and and you know him as the host of Brown's Countdown, where he won an Emmy. Uh, In his own words, and I loved this, uh, in his own words, the voice is real, the ears are fake. We are very excited to bring on John Doss. John, welcome to the Garage Beers Podcast. We are 30 seconds into this. You already outed me as a California native, and now everybody hates me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Is there a big Ohio-California rivalry that no, we I don't know about? This place, more than any place I've ever been, and we love this place. My wife and I, with our two children, we live in Lakewood. We have loved Cleveland since we got here, which was about three and a half years ago. But this place, more than any place I've ever been, um, appreciates its own, right? Well, for sure. And uh, I try to stay away from telling people that we're from California, even though it's been a long time since, for the most part, a long time since we've lived in California. Um, But we love it here. Yeah, but John, you know what what we like even more? I mean, we like our own, obviously. But what, what, what you will find that we really appreciate in Cleveland is somebody who's not from here that says good things about Cleveland. Yeah, right, because... Yeah, because it's rare. And what we figured out is, first of all, anybody that talks shit about Cleveland has never been to Cleveland. Fair. The first time I ever came to Cleveland, um, I was working in western New York, and I came for game three of the 2015 NBA Finals. And it was the first time I'd ever been in the city. I was blown away. Anybody that talks shit has never been here. But it's a funny thing about Clevelanders, because Clevelanders just let you talk your shit. (laughs) <laughs> and then you go home or you stay home and they're just like, yeah, yeah, stay there. Don't raise our property taxes. Don't raise your house. <laughs> yeah. prices. Right. Stay there. We're going to keep this secret on this incredibly beautiful lake. It snows a little bit, which sucks. But other than that, we're going to keep this a secret. Just stay away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, hey, Mike and Gail. Gets us. John gets us. Through the roof. Holy no. shit. No, but it's, it's, you know, uh, I was just reading up a little bit about you, just a little, you know, just the bios they put on Channel 5 and all that stuff. Uh, and and that's where we were going to start. We we're going to get to know John Doss a little bit before we talk about the Browns, because you are our special guest. Uh, so, yeah, this is the that, lowest rated show that you guys have done. No yet. way. <laughs> no way. It's Browns. Too much. It's Browns. Uh, uh, you, you, again, you moved. My favorite thing is I feel like every time we have a broadcaster on here, there's some story about how they uh, they had to go through the mecca of broadcasting, upstate New York, at some point. We have had several uh, broadcasters on here that have had to go through the, the holy land of broadcasting up in upstate New York. And, and you did the same thing, right? You're a Syracuse guy, correct? You have a Syracuse guy right behind you, don't you? I do have a Syracuse guy right behind me. 
He's not actually here, but yeah, Jim I, went Brown to, right back I went to grad school at Syracuse, which is a little different, right? Because we're already full grown adults who are not spoiled children like the rest of that university. Uh, and we kind of went <laughs> no offense to any of the three of you. I don't know. Uh, no, 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 no. We kind of rent the university for a year. We don't really get along with other Syracuse people. So we have similar training, but like there's a real divide between people who went to Syracuse as an undergrad and went there for four years. And those of us that, um, that were there for one year, for one, I don't, you know, I didn't drive an Audi when I was 19 years old. <laughs> That was the main difference. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed my time at Syracuse. What I really appreciated most about it was coming out of there. I made some really great connections in Rochester, which was a fantastic place to start my career. Uh, and, and one that really shaped the kind of journalist and the kind of uh, broadcaster that I became uh, after that. So for that, I thank Syracuse, not the student loan payments that I walked out of. <laughs> Shit. What oh, were you driving? God. What were you driving? <laughs> I'm from fucking California. I drove a Prius. <laughs> a Prius. Yes. You should have seen me. I, November, oh. right, the year that I was there, I'm bitching the whole time about how, where's the snow? Where's it? Like it was a late oh. start to the, to the winter in Syracuse. And I had, you know, heard tale of the snowstorms of Syracuse. And finally it comes. We get 96 consecutive hours of snow. We broke oh. records. They, they closed school at Syracuse, which never happens. And they did the year that I was there. And here I am, all in AAA, to get out of my driveway in the Prius. <laughs> you, thing, didn't you? You, gotta, you had to get that thing outfitted with some snow tires. Oh, uh, I got the maybe, snow tire. maybe get lifted. tires on that thing. <laughs> tow, tr- tow truck shows up and he's like, I, you're, from, you're from fucking California, aren't really, you? It's <laughs> one of those, I made a wrong turn one time and I went down. Of course, it had to be the steepest driveway on the planet. <laughs> and as soon as I'm like halfway going down, I'm like, I'm fucked. Like, there's no way. And, and I call, I think I probably called AAA before I got to the bottom of the driveway. And all they really do when they, they just kind of chuckle and then they hook you up, pull you out. <laughs> right. Right. Give you a, give you a good, a good solid yeah, feel bad you. laugh. Yeah. And then you're getting pulled out. Yeah, that's good. That's you're like, that's what I needed is to feel bad about this. Uh, so you find yourself in Cleveland. You've talked about it a little bit. You're not, you said you live in Lakewood, which I love. I'm a West Side guy. I grew up in Rocky River. Uh, Chad's an East Side guy, so we, we you know we've got that rivalry going on. Uh, but so thirty years thirty years of my life on the West Side. So don't even label me an East Sider, you fucker. You're you're totally an East Sider. Jesus, friendly podcast. I will clean this shit up real quick. <laughs> thank you. God, I'm thank sorry. you. Uh, but. <laughs> Let's just talk about, you know, you talked about how you've, how you, you and your wife and your two kids uh, ha, have been enjoying the city. What are, what are your, some, some of your favorite spots in Cleveland? Well, so I got a four year old and a one year old. So our favorite spots are all of the spots that you would imagine the aquarium and, and uh, the Great Lakes Science Center, which I, if we're at the Great Lakes Science Center, I, we're there three times a week. Yep. Like I pick my four year old up from preschool, we go to the, and we go for like 40 minutes and then we turn around to leave. <laughs> Uh, good thing we got a membership. We're really getting use out of that. Although I got to pay for parking at eight dollars a pop or whatever. But uh, you know, we what we have tried to do, and I had I had to educate my wife because I lived in Syracuse and Rochester for five years, and she never moved out there. We had a long distance relationship that whole time. We were married for um, I don't know two or three of those years. And so she's never lived before here, never lived in a cold climate 
location. Oh boy. So I told her that you have to find things to do in the wintertime that you enjoy doing. And so we have a lot of things that we enjoy indoors, like those things that I, I named. And then we love taking the boys sledding and going and doing all that stuff too. Um, just, you know, this is a really cool place for kids to grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, yeah. it gets yeah. shit on by so many people, but it really is a wonderful place to grow up. Well, Chad, you're right in the boat with Chad and I. Uh, I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and Chad, what are your kids? Five so and three now? Just, let's Five and three. Jump together. Yeah, they're, they're just, <laughs> it is just all, all of the Great Lakes Science Center. If I have to build play one day, more, play if, I to build one more if I have to build one more uh, paper rocket in the lobby of that stupid science center oh, and not know what God. I'm doing. We I built got, it's gonna be a problem. Rocket. It got stuck all the way up there on the fourth floor. <laughs> and these kids, like seven and eight-year-old kids, are looking at my four-year-old son like Jesus. <laughs> shot the rocket all the way up to the fourth floor. He's a legend now. They put his picture on the wall. <laughs> oh, Jesus. My one dad, like positive parenting moment. They're selling oh, well, t-shirts sure of your son. That. They're selling t-shirts <laughs> in, in, in a gift shop with the son on. You're yeah. talking about DOS Rockets? I've got one of those T-shirts. Theo's Rocket. Theo's Rocket. <laughs> uh, all right. So, listen, we brought you in to talk a little Browns, and as this day right. developed, I, yeah, well, well, well. Why would we ruin I, a good conversation? <laughs> I want to start I want to start with the sandwich of love, right? The sandwich of love. A little good news, a little news, and then we'll maybe we'll polish it off with some good news. But – as this day developed, uh, as this week developed, since you agreed to come on with us, a lot of shit has gone on with the Browns. So we'll get to that. But we want to throw it back a little bit because we haven't talked about this yet. We want to throw it back a little bit to last, sun- uh, last Sunday against the Ravens uh, in a game where the Browns beat the Ravens. And the Browns have this fantastic ability so far this year, John, to win games and then make you feel like they lost the game. <laughs> and that's how that game went, right? Uh, a 24 to three or something like that, 24 to six at some point in the first half. They were rolling. Defensively, they're playing well. Offensively, they're playing well in that first half. They're, they're just, everything's going all right. And in the second half, it just turns into hang on for dear life. We don't know how to field an onside kick. They're lined up improperly, but we're not even going to talk about that. Uh, and, and, and you walk away from that game and a lot of people were feeling like, oh, this sucks. I'm not necessarily one of them. I have watched, I've been in Cleveland almost my whole life, John. I've watched the Baltimore Ravens beat us every way from Sunday. Like every, it just any way that we could get beat, we have been beat by the Baltimore Ravens. Games that we had won, for sure, beat by the Baltimore Ravens. Games where we're kicking a field goal to win the game, boom, blocked, beat by the Baltimore Ravens, return for a touchdown. We have been beat by that team in so many ways. So to get a win over the Ravens, I don't care how ugly it is. Yeah, who cares? I'm happy. Like, I, I, I didn't join in the pity party with the Browns. I am thrilled. You beat the Ravens in, in a game, in a week that was so important for this team. Any chances for this team. Everybody else lost. So I don't know. How, how were you feeling after that game? Were you feeling any kind of positivity? Or were you feeling that other kind of like, oh, God, this sucks? <laughs> expectations are a wild thing, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You win that exact same game in that exact same scenario last year with that first year head coach. Um, 
the way Baker was playing in the second half of the year obviously makes a difference there. But if you win that same game in that same scenario last year, you feel pretty damn good about it. Yeah. Right? You're sitting a game back of Baltimore. Lamar's got a bit of an ankle injury. You feel like we could probably rattle off three of the next four, if not four of four. But expectations are a bitch. Okay? This team has had sky-high expectations from training camp. All of us here believe this team was a legitimate contender. And this wasn't rah-rah, um, you know, homer shit. We all legitimately looked at that team in training camp and thought that team was a Super Bowl caliber team. And so with every one of those wins that they struggled to eke it out, where they struggled to show a killer instinct, where it is very clear that the guy on the opposite sideline has outcoached you in the most important minutes of the game. That is all very frustrating, right? Because as fans and as, and, and listen, media members were not fans. There's this huge thing, especially on Cleveland social media, that it's this big deal that like media members must be cheering for the team. That's not what we do. No. That said, I have never been in a press box or never covered a team 10 years of covering the NFL in which every single media member on that side didn't want them to win. We all want them to win. It makes our job a hell of a lot more fun. Okay. So stop with that narrative that like <laughs> members of the Cleveland media are rooting for the Browns. No covering losing teams suck. <laughs> you ever tried to go into a locker room and talk to a guy after they lost by 30 points it's brutal it's miserable nobody wants that now i've gotten off topic and i'm upset no no let's go <laughs> see what let's you did go. mike you yeah, see what you it. did it is no, I can't, I just, you can't take me anywhere it is frustrating when you have expected this team to be this good and in the moments they have to prove to you that perhaps they are that good that they are that team with that potential you expected, they fall flat. That is disappointing. That is a gut punch. And so they won the game. That is the most important thing. They're one game back in the division with a very realistic, with what was a very realistic route to the <laughs> AFC North Championship. Not that, it's, not that it's still not there, but let's be honest, half the team's not play on Saturday potentially. So, um, but you expect that. Now, you know, and when they struggle to score against Minnesota and when you get pissed off, it's better than struggling to score against Pittsburgh and Baltimore and losing. But expectations are a bitch, but the expectations are here now with Kevin Stefanski and this team. So is that all it is, John, is is expectations, the expectations going into this season, the frustrating part of this team? Because even when it's like, you know, when it's all said and done, this team is still seven and six. It's not like they're four and four and whatever, three and whatever. So is there something that fans are like missing about this team? Or do you think it's, it's, they have a right to be frustrated with this team? Well, they certainly have a right to be frustrated. This franchise has sucked for 40 years. No, I'm, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, not 40 years. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> they have sucked for the better part of 20 years. Okay. Fans in, oh, this, city, fans in this city have gone through a lot. And remember how high expectations were when this team got Odell the first time. Yeah. And it was very clear that Freddie Kitchens was not the guy. That brought everybody back down to reality. Last year, we went in with uh, tempered expectations, right? With realistic, hey, 
We think they should be good, but we've seen this train wreck before. And what? We enjoyed the whole ride for the most part last year. Close wins, you enjoyed for the most part last year. This is different because finally it felt like this franchise was turning the corner. And I still think it is. I don't think this is doom and gloom. And I don't think this is a disastrous organization at this point. I really do think they got the right people in place at the most important places for the most part. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. But this, this fan base is tired of it and they are so close. They know that they are so close to being potentially a consistently winning organization. How do you fault people who have put up with this organization this long and they're so close I mean, how do you control yourself? How do you not get upset in situations like that? So here's, here's for me, again, because realistically, if they won every game the rest of the way out, the way they won against the Ravens, I don't care. Like, you know, if, they make, it into the, if they make it into the playoffs and you win games like that, I don't care. I, I don't care. If you're, if you're not playing to the potential that people want you to play to, but you're winning, I don't care. As long as you're winning, the thing that the thing that's frustrating to me and the thing that I didn't see coming, I did not see the drama coming with the team. I didn't I didn't see like the infighting. I didn't see I didn't see the I didn't see the head hanging that you see with this team. I didn't see the frustrations. You know, people want to I didn't make a big deal out of it because I don't think it's a big deal. But I still at the same time, it all goes into one pot, I guess. I didn't see Baker walking off the field upset after a victory and, and not, you know, just kind of throwing his helmet to the side and walking up. I didn't see the Odell Beckham thing going on. I didn't see Travis Landry for the first time since he's been in Cleveland doesn't look like he's having any fun out there. Like, and that was the thing. One of the things about, and they're seven and six, but that was one of the things about Jarvis was he always looked like he was at the, the smile on his face when he made a catch. And that just looks like it's not there. He looks frustrated. Everybody out there looks frustrated. Everybody out there looks like, that's the kind of stuff that I think that is why people are so like the, the fans can sense the feelings from the team yeah. and, and they're frustrated and the team's frustrated. So the fans are frustrated. Now the fans are booing and now the teams are getting mad because the fans are booing. It's just, that's the stuff I didn't see coming. I did not see all the, all the other. What we have to realize is, and it's easy to forget and they're superheroes and they make a, a, a bunch of money, but they're human beings too. And they had expectations too, you know, and they're frustrated with their performances too. And, you know, the real issue, Mike, you're right, is um, once the finger pointing starts happening, then you start to lose control. But these guys expected to be very good too. Jarvis Landry expected this offense to pick right up uh, from last year. And I don't know that he anticipated that he wouldn't have a touchdown catch until week 14. All right. As a human being, that is tough to put on that happy face and be the leader that that team needs. Unfortunately, Jarvis is really one of the few outspoken leaders on that team. This team has a ton of really talented players, but guys that aren't necessarily the rah-rah type of guy. You know, that's not the way Miles really operates. That's certainly not the way a Nick Chubb operates. Uh, like, who is the Christian Kirksey on this team? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, get what I get what you're saying. Point, Mike. Plus, the guy had a shit ton of tackles, too. Come on. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, These guys have expectations, too. They understand they're not meeting those expectations for a number of different reasons, right? Yeah. It's hard not to be upset by that, too. 
It's a, it's, it's, a, it's just, a, it's, it's weird to me. And, 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 and then you get the, the, the Jedrick Wills kind of speaking out on the fans booing and, and I feel both sides of it. I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on fans booing? I don't feel I, both sides of it at all. Unfortunately. Oh, you don't. I think that um, never throughout history has it ever been a good look football field, uh, monarchy, whatever for rich people to tell non-rich people what they should and should not do. That has never been a good idea. It's not a good look. These fans pay lots of money. They don't make the money you make to watch you play. I understand it is frustrating. I understand you don't want to get booed in your home field. But never tell the fans what they can and cannot do unless they're throwing batteries and shit on the field. Then you can tell them not to do that. <laughs> right. Like, listen, right. Joel Batonio has never said that. There's a reason yeah. Joel Batonio gets a pass from everything. Everybody thinks Joel Batonio is a wonderful person, and he is. It's because he always gets on camera. He always smiles. He always says the right things. Never, ever tell the fans what they can't do. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've kind of always said that if you're, if, if you're a professional athlete and you can't handle getting booed when you're, when you're playing like shit, it's probably time to maybe think about a new direction in, in, <laughs> in life or a new path in life. Because of all the things that fans don't get to do, uh, don't get to say, speak on when, when it comes to a professional athlete's life, one of the things they do get to do is boo you when you're playing like shit. You're right. right. And that's part of the job. To be honest, yeah. I mean, it's a shitty part of the job, but that's part of the job. You get paid lots of money in part because you are such an attraction, because you are what people want to watch, right, on television or in person. That's part of the job. Do I like that I go on social media and I got 10 or 20 people in the NFL preseason saying, the fuck is this doing? This guy doing fake in his voice? Do I like that? No. <laughs> but, I mean, a little. But, but it's, it's a backhanded compliment. It's a backhanded compliment. Usually I have fun with it, but then you get some real jerks. When you get some real jerks, then I, you know, I got to kind of give it back to them. But most people are nice enough about it. And I have fun with it. But that's the thing. Jedrick Wills has to understand. And, you know, so-and-so's wife who's tweeting about it, They have to understand. And that's even a worse look. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> they have to understand that those people that are booing are also the people that are cheering the loudest when you are doing well. And you might see that as two-faced. I see that as real, authentic emotion from a fan base that wants you to succeed and that is frustrated when you don't. So, John, you spend a lot of time. One of the, one of the cool parts about your gig, and there's a bunch of them, but one of the cool parts about your gig is you spend a lot of time with, like, some of the classic Cleveland Browns, right? You, you, oh. spend, a good, you spend a good chunk of time with some of the greatest players that have ever put on the orange and brown, and you get to talk to them. And you get to be around them, not just current players who you get to talk to, I'm sure, a good bit. But when you do those, those uh, the Browns countdown and all that, you get to talk to guy, Hanford Dixon and, and just classic Browns players. So give us uh, a little insight. You don't have to call out any names if, if anybody said anything that they wouldn't want repeated or anything. But what are these guys saying about the team? What, what are these old school classic Browns players saying about this team right now? I mean, I don't have to uh, muzzle Hanford. Hanford says all no. of the things that are on his mind. <laughs> Uh, real. And, and sometimes, you know, he should probably lay off of some. <laughs> um, no, you know, 
so many of the legends around this organization, this organization is different than so many. All of these guys that stuck around Cleveland that are just as big a stars now as they were when they played, you know, they understand where their bread is buttered. They understand that they are Brown's legend, that they are tied to this organization and they are very much spokesmen of the organization. They don't like to say bad things about the organization. Um, I do truly feel, you know, in talking to a guy like Joe Thomas, who was here, you know, through so many of the bad years, so many, a, a, a super player and an even better person through so many of the bad years, there is a sense that these are the right guys. There is a sense that under Stefanski and under Barry, the Browns are in good hands and that they, you know, there were some pieces in place when he played and when the other guys played, but, um, I think that there is a sense that, you know, this is, this is going to work this time because it hasn't worked since Hanford played. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those guys yeah, want no. to be successful teams, you know, it's so fu- It's funny to talk about it. I w- uh, my wife and I went to dinner uh, Saturday night, the night before the game. And we walk into this restaurant and I see a hundred yards away, this beautiful, bald, shiny head. And I knew immediately <laughs> Hanford. And so I run up to Hanford and we're talking and Hanford's having dinner with Ozzie Newsome. Oh, wow. And uh, everybody, I'd say probably seven or eight people came up to them over the course of the dinner while we were there. And everybody wanted to say hi to Hanford. And I don't know if some people didn't know who Ozzie was or didn't recognize Ozzie. Well, you know, Ozzie hasn't been really a fixture in this community for a long time. He right. went to Baltimore with the other team. But that's such a, a perfect illustration of the legends in this franchise and that the ones that chose to stuck around, or stick around, they are as big a celebrity now as they ever were. And while Ozzie Newsom is revered for what he did on the football field, he was a Hall of Fame player, one of the greats of all time in, in football, Hanford Dixon is the bigger star in Cleveland. Yeah. And it's just such yeah. a wild. That's I, crazy. I tell the people all the time, like, Ernie Kozar is bigger in Cleveland than Joe Montana is in the Bay Area. Oh, for sure. I, that doesn't surprise me yeah. in the slightest. In the slightest. I'm just sitting here trying to figure out. I feel like I've run into Hanford Dixon at the same three restaurants every time I've ever seen Hanford Dixon. So I'm just trying to figure out which restaurant you were at. <laughs> and I'm wondering if it was. We are at the Marble Room. Oh, no. I was no, no. That was. That's not one of those. I got John. I got oh, two kids. Oh, I was going to say Applebee's. I got two kids. So I, got I was going to say they Applebee's. They eat for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 We starved the kids for a minute. Yeah, uh, I was going to say sorry, Golden Corral, but that's not where you guys go. <laughs> no, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen Hanford Dixon at the bar at uh, Carabas on the west side. Here, he is well, always. Well, I have to tell you, whoever's paying for his Crown Royale, that's where he'll go. Well, that's fair. You know what? I would tell you the same thing. So anybody out there that's listening, if you're buying Crown Royal or really anything else that you might be buying, let me know. Literally anything. Shovel it into my mouth. (laughs) Yes, I am there. Uh, So, okay. So so we get the victory. We beat the Ravens. And and again, nothing. You know, John... I, 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 you, I'm sure have a sense of the, the passion of the rivalries of this city. I'm sure you've heard and, and lived through now for a few years, 
people talking about the Steelers and the Browns. What is going on over there, Chad? <laughs> the wind's picking up. The wind's picking up. It's blowing <laughs> up the tarp. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. We're uh, good. But I have to tell you, uh, I would imagine we're all kind of similar of age. I have to tell you, the the Browns were taken away from this city when I was, what, 10? To about 10? 11, something like that. Are you looking at me for the they, No, I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to, I'm doing math. No, this is me doing math in my head. It doesn't usually work out real well, but 10 or 11, it makes right? For, it makes for great podcasting, that's for sure. So I remember, <laughs> shut the hell up, Chad. I remember right. the Steelers-Browns rivalry, but the Browns leave and they go to Baltimore. And for somebody my age, like in those kind of formative years, Baltimore's the team I hate more than anything. Like more than anything, the Steelers fine is what it is. I can still hate them. That's fine. But like Baltimore, I freaking hate. So, so to get the chance to beat them and, and to put pressure on them and and to see the team compete the way they did again, uh, it just gets me excited. Like, I, you know, what's going on with, from your perspective, what's going on with all these other teams? Like it feels like Baltimore should just be running away with this division. Doesn't it? Pittsburgh sucks. Why does Baltimore suck? Does Pittsburgh suck? They beat the Browns. I don't know. They suck. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. That was the most frustrating game of the year, even more so than picking off Lamar four times and losing. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the way that these teams have played, the thing is, is you know, Baltimore has, has come back down to earth too. Now, they have been ravaged by injuries defensively, but uh, in the games that they struggle, defense is, is not really the issue. It's right. Lamar looks like Superman against the Colts. And then two weeks later, he looks like he can't complete a pass. And inconsistent inconsistency is an issue in the NFL. The successful teams are consistent, right? Even the Browns have been terribly inconsistent this year, and that's why they haven't been successful. So while I think Baltimore is probably, I don't know, should they be running away with the division? Probably, because I think they have the – most difficult player in the division to defend. Um, they have been terribly inconsistent, which is odd, uh, considering that Harbaugh's typically runs a tight ship. You know, and the whole thing's crazy. So, is it, no, I was going to say on a broader spectrum, it's kind of been a weird year in the NFL, a total hasn't it? They're <laughs> so weird. Entering last year or last week, there were what twelve teams at six and six or better in the AFC. I mean, it is like. Pull a name out of a fucking hat. Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> yeah. Really, like you you think the Cardinals are good and that the Rams are done, and then the Rams wax the Cardinals. Oh, Arizona came back and, and made it interesting. And then you think Baltimore is the class of the AFC, and they look terrible over the last month. Um, like, who's good? Tampa Bay, I guess. Just give them the Super Bowl. Yeah, they well, they just haven't gone through their weird phase yet. I don't think they just haven't hit the weird phase. Speaking of weird, what happened to Buffalo? Right, yeah, like five. Well, you lose, you lose to Urban Meyer, and that's it for you. You're, you're five or you're six out. weeks before the Jacksonville game. I'm texting my friends in Rochester who cover the Bills. Yeah, and I'm, I'm playing the schedule game. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, who's beating this team? Maybe on the road at New Orleans they lose, and, and certainly on the road at Tampa they could lose. But other than that, who's beating the Bills? Turns out everybody. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, yeah. Josh Allen all of a sudden decided to regress. <laughs> like it's, it's weird. Even, even when he plays, he played extremely well. He accounted, I think, for over 400 yards the other night, and they, yeah, they ended up, you know, almost pulling that off and forcing overtime. But man, what happened to that team? But you're right. 
Chad, this has been a unlike any year I can remember. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's well, and, and which is why it is even more frustrating yes. that the Suns are not playing to the potential that we think they should be. Because yes. in a year like this that is wide open, the Browns would have a legitimate shot, and now I'm screaming, at winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> Just tell security, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Floor. Nobody can hear. Nobody can hear. Uh, uh, but we do know you could shoot a rocket up that high uh, as long as you're oh, so to design it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's go into – Again, I was feeling pretty good. I know the game wasn't the greatest. I was feeling pretty good. You beat the Ravens. I'm always my hardest to bring you back down. No way. You're not. We beat the Ravens. I'm not coming down. I'm good. And then this week just happens. Yeah. And we're doing it again. It's the Jets week from last year when we didn't have an active wide receiver on the roster. (laughs) And we acted like we still should have just went in there and won. Right now, as things stand, and we're going to see what happens. But as things stand, 11 starters have been positive for COVID. The head coach is positive for COVID. Uh, and you're potentially facing another team that is trying desperately to hang on for dear life in the playoff picture in the Vegas Raiders uh, this week at home, which is nice. But uh, it, what are what are we what? Are, what? Why does this? Why? Why does this happen? I, I can't even like it's hard to even put it into words how an outbreak like this just occurs and do the Browns have a chance of getting over it? Yeah. And what terrible timing, right. To play on the short week on Saturday, must win game against the team you really should beat. And Oh, by the way, you got to play next Saturday too. Right. Anybody that tests tested positive, certainly if anybody tests positive tomorrow, and I don't know when you guys put this out, but if anybody tests positive on Thursday, they are in real jeopardy of missing both games. And I find it real hard to believe that you've got this many people who tested positive the last two days and you're not going to have anybody test positive tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, that's worrisome, man. And, and listen, Stefanski said today and Prefer said, and I know you can go back to that Jets game and you can go back to the Pittsburgh game that Prefer took over and Stefanski wasn't there. I get it. This is unlike anything this team has experienced. This is unlike any team in the NFL has experienced. It's one thing to go out there with no wide receiving core and you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's another thing to go out there with Case Keenum behind an offensive line where three-fifths of your starters are out. Two of them on COVID, one of them on the IR. Oh, we'll just turn it. Well, Hunt's out too. No Jarvis Landry. We don't know what the tight end room is going to look like. David Njoku activated <laughs> again, but Harrison God. is he going to play? Hooper's on the COVID list. So this isn't like any of those other ones at all. The deck is so stacked against this team, even against a very beatable team like Vegas. The one silver lining here is that Prefer has been in this role before and they have absolutely nothing to lose because nobody expects them to win this game. Nobody. So why wouldn't Alex Van Pelt just go out there, caution to the wind, and go nuts? That's their best shot, right? I just, it it is, you know, you try to stay away from like this woe is me mentality of like, how in the hell? It was coming out today. You know, obviously the, the name started dropping yesterday, but now it's coming out today and it's, and, and, and it's Baker and it's, it's, just name after name after name, John Johnson of just positive, positive, positive. So I saw this get brought up by uh, a doctor on, on Twitter 
at some point, a, a real doctor on Twitter or like doctor, no, it, like everybody a, else is a, doctor. a, a real it, infectious it, disease doctor who happens to be a Browns fan. Listen, it's uh, Twitter, though, so you never know. That's true. <laughs> is there a point coming, do you think? That we burn Twitter to the ground? Absolutely, 100%. No way. No way. What am I going to do while I'm working? What am I going to do while I'm working? I have to be on Twitter. Uh, is there a point coming, do you guys think, and, and uh, neither one of you is going to like have an, an, an absolute known answer, but don't, aren't we going to have to get to a point? Because I don't think this is ever going away. Yeah. Are we going to have to get to a point where it's like, hey, this guy is tested positive, but he's vaccinated, he's asymptomatic, go out and play. Yeah. Like, are we gonna? We got to get to that point at some point, right? Yeah. So the the NFL having this kind of zero tolerance in the offseason, saying we're not going to postpone games, we're not going to move games, we're not going to help you in the event of an outbreak, was to get everybody over that eighty five percent vaccination threshold. Employers, period. You know, we we have to get vaccines here. Employers yes. mandate their these vaccinations. Want you to get vaccinated because they don't want anybody dying because they went to work. Not because they really give a shit, but because they right. don't want to get sued. Okay. Right. So the NFL has to get to a point where uh, you're right. Once it is deemed that you are not putting other people at risk, because at this point, who's Baker Mayfield putting at risk if he's asymptomatic, vaccinated, and um, well, that's it, asymptomatic and nobody. test positive? Yeah. Nobody. Well, just people that aren't vaccinated, really, or right. people that are at risk. You know, so the NFL is going to have to figure out a way to mitigate those other, you know, potential spreads to people that could could be seriously um, affected by this and figure out a way to let these asymptomatic vaccinated players play. Because you're right, this is not going away. Now, the NBA is seeing it, too, and they've got to figure out a way this is going to be in our lives forever. I don't think that's a question. So. What do you do? And it seems like we're at that inflection point now, right? Because the NFL has had, what, 90 players or 90 players and staff members test positive over the last three days. They've got to figure it out. That equates to, you know, two teams, two full teams. That's right. But that's and, and that's, you know, it doesn't have to get into real life. We try to avoid that on this podcast podcast. But like, that's the point of all this. Mm hmm. You know, th th that's why we're all going out and people are going out and getting vaccinated. And that's why they're talking about it. So that. Guys don't have to worry about what the severity of it if they get infected. Yep. So at some point you have to trust that, you know, the reason you told these guys to go get in, uh, vaccinated yeah. was so that you don't have to deal with the serious implications of hopefully that vaccine prevents more serious illness. So when you told them to go do that and they all went and did that, or a lot of them, the most Browns, of them went the and did Browns that. Browns are over the threshold. Yeah, that should have Yeah, been. most teams are. Are close to uh, close to 100%. Yeah, at some point, you have to say, cool, we did we did what we needed to do here. Now it's time for us to say, all right, if you meet these criterias, yeah. you can go out and play. And I think, Mike, I think we're close to it. I do. I think that this, like I said, this is an inflection point this week. I expect the NFL to make some changes. And if you watched Roger Goodell or listened to what he said or read what he said today, it sounds like that is on the table. It is not on the table that the Browns are going to get this game postponed, unfortunately. And I don't think that the league is going to make these changes in the next two days. <laughs> but it sounds like it is coming that these leagues now understand, you know, the vaccine is not armor. It's not going to prevent this thing from getting inside your body and testing positive. Now, what do we do if it's gotten inside your body, your vaccine has done its job, you are fine, 
mm-hmm. how do we get you on the field? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to justify watching Baker Mayfield on Monday with seventy five kids in Illyria running around and throwing fake snowballs in a gymnasium. Not saying that Baker that is not a, a slam on Baker Mayfield at all. Yeah. That is not a slam on him at all. But it's hard to justify saying you can go do that because we're only testing so often. And yeah. I think J.C. Treader said this. He said they have been pushing for a while for more frequent testing so that they know earlier so that they can avoid some of these things. Uh, it's hard to justify 75 children with Baker Mayfield Monday and then being told on Wednesday that he can't play in a football game. Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's and Miles Garrett was doing uh, his shopping thing a couple of days ago. Or maybe it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Monday. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough to tell these guys, hey, you can't go do those things. Just like, you know, this has been a perfect shitstorm from holiday season to bye week to uh, a bunch <laughs> of people getting COVID. And, and Jesus, yeah. yeah, you want to be able to go on your bye week and enjoy your family and travel and, and see family that you haven't seen the whole season. I get it. But you have to understand that that vaccine, while it may protect you, it ain't going to stop you from testing positive. And if you test positive, you are not playing. That sucks. This whole thing sucks. This whole whole thing sucks. I hate it. Sucks. This whole thing sucks. Hey, you know what? The Browns, you guys can be good again for the first time since I was 14 years old. You guys can be good again, really, for the first time since I was 14. But you know what else is going to happen? Plagues and pandemics. That's what's happening. What? Uh, this is biblical at this point. <laughs> Only in Cleveland, right? <laughs> Ten years of covering the NFL. Last year was the first time I covered a playoff team. Oh, no, no. It to coach, well, I covered the Bills for five years. Right. It to coach, uh, before they were, you know, good. Uh, and it coincided <laughs> with this global pandemic that is shut everything down. So uh, I'm right there with you, man. The whole thing sucks. You know, I don't know what the right answer is, but I do think that the the league and all of the leagues have to figure out a way. If you're vaccinated, you're asymptomatic and you're testing positive, they got to figure out a way to get you on the field or else, you know, this is going to be the norm. We're not going forever, forever going back to no positive. Like this is here. You know, and, and people are going to have it in their system and it may not be affecting them. they got to figure out the right way to handle that because I don't think right now, I don't, I don't know that this is the right way. Well, I think the only the only downside or the only thing that I can think of is, you know, you got ball boys out there. You got you got 100%. other people down there interacting with this team that yeah. who knows. And you got, and you got right. older coaches and these players have families that they're going home to uh, and they have mothers and fathers that. That's know, why it's hard. It is 100%. It's difficult. It is difficult, and I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make those decisions. Because I would say as long as they are on the Cleveland Browns, they can play. Yeah. Everybody else, put <laughs> your ass at home. Baker, Suda. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, yeah. I'd be, I'd be testing him for COVID like the league test Miles Garrett for steroids uh, anytime he like doesn't wear sleeves. I into this thing, and I just realized, Chad, are you wearing a Bears sweatshirt? <laughs> Is this audio? <laughs> is this audio only? Yes, no, it this is. is not. No, <laughs> it is only. Oh, well then. No, this yeah. will go on YouTube. Oh, yeah, the bronze, the bronze hoodie is in is in, is in the wash right it's now, guys. Wash. So I just threw out the first thing I could. It's been in the wash yeah. since uh, what? <laughs> Two thousand. Yeah. Since they were three and three. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, bears, actually. So give us give us a little hope. Give us a little hope here. Let's talk about this team moving forward for a minute before we let you prepare because what you got news at eleven o'clock, right? Be on in like an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, we are not keeping you that long. Uh, let's talk about a little hope. They got the Raiders coming up. You have no idea what this team is going to look like because the guys that have tested positive so far can still te- they can still hit those two negative tests and play if that's a thing. Uh, so we have no idea who's going to be out there. We have no idea who's going to play. As of right now, it looks like Case Keenum and Nick Chubb and two of the th- five starting offensive linemen and David Njoku that lo- and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. That looks like your, your team that you're trotting out there. Uh, but can this team, can they find a way? Do you, do you have faith with all the wacky wild shit that's gone on this season, with all the wacky wild shit that has gone on this season, would it surprise you to see the Browns come out and play well defensively because the defensive real studs are still going to be out on that field. Uh, most of them. You're not going to have John Johnson or Ronnie Harrison, and that's going to be an issue. Is Harrison? Uh, I, there was hope. There's hope for Harrison. Newsom, there? Newsom's not out of the protocol yet either. There's hope for Harrison, right? Yeah, you know, there's hope. I mean, there's hope that all these guys will test negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Hope in one hand, shit in the other. See which one fills up first. Uh, yeah, man. I just, you know, the secondaries, the guys, Mike, the guys that are stars have to play like stars. I mean, they have to play. Miles Garrett has to be the best player on the field. Jadavian Clowney has to be the guy that we have seen the last few weeks. Nick Chubb has to be the guy that we know he can be. The problem is, is, you know, that's not all on Nick. You're running behind right. the offensive line. You know, I try to be optimistic. It would surprise the hell out of me if the Browns won this game. Mm. And it would Man. be and it would be one of the all-time great wins in this franchise history. <laughs> the season on the line, still with an opportunity to win this division. If this team, with this amount of starting talent off the field, came together and won this game, it would be one of the great achievements, seriously, in this franchise's history. But that should now, tell you something, right? That that road is going to be very difficult. On Saturday, on a short week, oh, by the way, you haven't had a real practice all week. So all of these guys that are stepping into these roles, I mean, they, they haven't even had a chance to practice. Really. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So Jeez. look, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> Get out there and, you know, nobody gives you a shot, shock the world type of thing. Uh, the Raiders are a beatable team. It's just, man, it's the NFL. Everybody's really good. So when you're trotting out half a team that hasn't played or isn't used to, to playing these kind of minutes or in these roles, it's tough, man. I, I'll tell you this, I'd give Nick Chubb the ball 30 times and see what happens. And yes. Davis Johnson another fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what I was thinking about. Isn't isn't that isn't that even with all those factors in place? Wouldn't the silver lining be that yeah that you are playing the Raiders, who are being the typical Raiders? They start out the season strong and then they <laughs> fall off a cliff at the end. So I mean, if if there was a game that this could happen and, and that the Browns could grind out a win against in these last four in, in these last four games, yeah. uh, pro- probably the most winnable game left on your schedule. Yeah. Wouldn't it be the Raiders? Yeah. Well, it's definitely the most winnable game on your schedule, but you got to play, 
the Packers, Bengals, and, and Steelers. I would say, obviously, it would be a better scenario if it were a young quarterback, a young, you know, rookie. I'd rather play Jacksonville and the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would rather that be the case. Because, listen, you know, and I covered Derek Carr for a couple of years. If you if they don't pressure him Saturday, he can pick that secondary apart. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, the team as a whole isn't great. But Derek Carr is a professional quarterback. He's a guy that has been on the verge of MVP candidacy a few years ago, right before he broke his leg. He's a guy that can play. And I don't particularly like the guy, but he can play. <laughs> and if Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney don't get after him, he could pick him apart. He really could. Well, again, defensive line, you're still going to have Garrett and Clowney as of right now. As of right now, yeah. we haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything uh-huh. else. But there's some other defensive linemen. Uh, Malik McDowell, I think, went into the COVID thing today. Tack uh, McKinley. Tack McKinley went, oh, God, and he has been playing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you still got JOK out there. He has been, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that has surpassed every expectation. Uh, Jacob Phillips looked pretty good coming back. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, again, I, it's, I think Chad made a good point. Yeah, would it be a, an incredibly impressive win? Yes, but I will also say this. It's, I don't. I don't want to really talk about Baker Mayfield because, yeah, this. I think if you sat Baker Mayfield down in a very honest conversation and said, "Is this season go? Are you playing the way you can play this season?" He would say, "Hell no." And whether he would put that on injuries or any other thing, Baker Mayfield is not playing to any level of expectation. At the same time, even if Baker was playing to expectations, I think a lot of people would say at the quarterback position, the Browns probably have one of the lesser drop-offs from their starting quarterback to their backup quarterback because Case Keenum, you were sitting there describing uh, Derek Carr. And I'm not saying Case Keenum is as good as Derek Carr because I think Derek Carr I would rather have on my team. But Case Keenum is that he's a professional quarterback. He's a guy that's won games. He's a guy that's won playoff games. Uh, And and, and so, you know, I, I think they still give themselves a chance. I think, I think, you know, with all this shit going on, guys are going to have to play well, like you said. But I think you're in capable hands with a guy like Case Keenum. And, I'm, and I'm, we'll see what happens. I'm on board with you. Like, I like Case Keenum. He can win games in the NFL. He has won a game in the NFL this year. Correct. I'm not sure if Case Keenum can win a game with two-fifths of your starting offensive line. <laughs> With one tight end. I'm, try- I'm trying, John. I'm trying. I'm just, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying. I want to be realistic. I like Case Keenum. I believe in Case Keenum. I think Case- I said Baker, they should have sat Baker Mayfield a long time ago and let him heal yeah. midway through the season and have him ready for the stretch run because I thought that Case could beat Denver and beat Pittsburgh and beat, at the time, right? We thought New England and beat Detroit. Um, I believe in Case Keenum. You still got to have the pieces around you. And that offensive line is what worries me the most. Because you can have Mahomes or Brady or Rodgers. If you're getting pressured on every play, it's not going to be a good day. So I hate to do it because I'm uh, listen, there, I'm, like I said, I was trying four hours and watch them lose and then go into the press conference. I don't want that either. I want this team to win. And you're wondering why I have the Bears hoodie on, John. <laughs> well, let's talk <laughs> why? about that. Why? Well, yeah, don't huh? ex- explain, Chad. Because it's making me sad this week. That about everything that Chad said, this is making me sad this week. And the Bears are sad too. 
So, you know, <laughs> whatever. I just pick a hoodie out. <laughs> it's a sad day over at Chad's house every day. Uh, so looking, uh, looking towards the end of the season, let's say they make this miracle game. And then you're able to get players back because you will get players back after this game. And let's say they figure out a way. Hey, let's say some of these guys can actually play in this game because there is a little bit of hope for that. Uh, and, and they pull this game off. Now you've got Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and you've got that Green Bay game. I mean, like, this is this. I, there, there's just this little part of me. We've talked so much about it being the weird year in the NFL. There's like this little part of me that thinks that's that's a year where something crazy could happen with the Browns. Like, everything's been wrong. Nobody's happy with how they've played, yet they put themselves in position to make some success for themselves. Like, I, to, personally, to me, I feel like every game on the schedule is winnable. I feel like the Browns have a team that they could beat. A, people are talking about Green Bay like they are an infallible, you know, and, I, and they're good. Beating Green Bay at Lambeau on Christmas is not an easy thing. It's not a thing a lot of people will do, but they're also not, there's not a great defense, and our defense has played well. So I, I feel like every game on the schedule is still winnable for this Browns team. I, I, I just, again, I'm not trying to be overly optimistic Browns fan guy here, but I also feel like we're at a point where maybe I am just defensively, just like everything is just piling on at this point. Everything is piling on, whether it's within the team's control, without of the team's control, the fans, the media, whatever. I feel like it's all a pylon, and I, I'm sitting here looking at it, going, "Like, would I would I shit my pants if the Browns beat the Packers on Christmas? Not really. I'd be like, oh, cool, would. that's a that's a great win. Yeah, I you'd would shit your pants." <laughs> yeah, 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 I would. Yeah, you would. No, I listen. I think that you are a fan that chooses to look at the Cincinnati game and say that's the team we are, and that's great. That's the team they can be. But this has come full circle now. Consistency. We have not seen that consistency from this team. That's right. It makes you think they're going to go into Lambeau and win that game. Can they? Absolutely. When if they're healthy, can they? One hundred percent. They have the weapons. They have the players. They have they have the coaching to go in and do it. But we haven't seen that on a regular basis this year. So it's hard for our, in our minds, right? To say that for sure. To say that they're going to do it. But they certainly can. Even if they lose, you know, if they if they pull off this miraculous victory Saturday, even if they lose at Green Bay, I still think they're beating the Bengals and Steelers, and I think they're going to the playoffs at 10 and 7. So yeah. you know, I don't think Pittsburgh, or I don't think that uh, Green Bay is a is a make or break. You know, for me, it's and it's not it's not so much that I want like to think that they're that Bengals team because that you know like do I think Donovan Peoples Jones is going to be running by himself down the field, Mike Williams style? No, I feel like they're the team. They can be the team. That's like that first half of the of the Ravens game. They weren't perfect. They went three and out their first drive, but they figured some things out and they scraped together some plays and offensively, they still put up 17 points in that first half. Okay. But here's what that's, you, here's, and they did their jobs. It wasn't like, nobody was like, nobody was like excelling. Nobody was going crazy. Everybody. That's what I'm talking about. People are asking me like, who's going to stand out with this? Who's going to say, I said, I don't care who stands out. I just want people to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. Do the, do the basics of your job. And this Browns team will win games. That's what they've been missing. But here's what you just said. And we're talking about inconsistency. And you said you think they can be the team that they were 
in the first half against right. <laughs> right. right. So now we're taking it. I at least gave you an entire fucking game. That no, you- one <laughs> half. One goddamn half, John. And you come back and you say, no, I think they could be this team. Well, absolutely, they can be. We haven't seen that consistency to make us feel good about that, though. Correct. So, and I think that is the crux of the frustration all year, is that we know what they can do. We have seen it in flashes, whether it's a full game or a half. We have seen it in flashes. We know what they can do. When they don't do it, it pisses you off a little bit. A lot. That's fair. A lot of it. That's fair. So, so let's talk a little bit realistic beyond this. So now you got this Browns team. They have not exceeded expectations by any stretch. Let's say, let's say they squeak into the playoffs, they lose in the first round, whatever. Like, let's say things don't fix themselves, and this team that we ex- that we wanted them to be something more is just what they are. What needs to get fixed? Where where does that need to get fixed? And and a little truth serum here, John. A little yeah, truth serum. Uh, I can only be so truthful here. Okay, right. that's fair. that's fair that's very fair um i like the direction of this team i think that because andrew barry extended the offensive line extended chubb extended hunt i think that the window is open a little more probably for the next couple of years right that's the good news the real issue is is figuring it out defensively um figuring out some defensive consistency because they were such a bad defense last year. That prevented them potentially from being really great. And they went out and had the best defensive offseason. They brought in all of these players, um, stars on other teams, and it hasn't quite worked out consistently, right? We have seen it in flashes that they've been really good. They just can't get on the same page. Obviously, everything comes down to Baker Mayfield and quarterback's position. Obviously. And – I am a believer in Baker Mayfield, and I know social media is kind of split on this. I think that the guy that we saw, there's a reason he broke a rookie touchdown record, okay? The guy that we saw the second half of last year was incredible. The guy we saw against Kansas City in a loss was spectacular. Right. And then he got hurt. And I think that has played a major role in things. And then other things kind of snowball on top of that. So I do think that we have seen a shell of Baker Mayfield in 2021. I am a believer in him. The real worry is that this season becomes more than one season, that this season just psychologically, emotionally, mentally within this organization that it changes him and it changes his relationship with the coaching staff and his relationship with the organization uh, and his relationship with the city. But I am a believer in Baker Mayfield as a healthy Baker Mayfield. And so I think you go into next year, Baker Mayfield is still your franchise quarterback with the belief that he's the guy we saw the second half of last year, that he's the guy we saw against Kansas city and that he's the guy that can take this team to the Super Bowl. But that's the big question mark. That's what I'm that's talking this, about. See, there was, team, John. That's where this team rests, right? There was, John. There was. That, that's the fire-up moment right there. And I, but I, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, we are fortunate that this isn't truly the year where you have to make that decision on Baker Mayfield. And it's the brilliance of Andrew Barry. Because like a moron, 
I said you extend it the And I'm so glad that Andrew what an idiot. doesn't listen to a word I say. This will be the one podcast he listens to. He doesn't listen to a word I say. Thanks. Hey, Andrew. Good to see you again. It was a brilliant decision not to extend him at that time. You gave yourself a little, a little extra breathing room. That that it. Lo and behold. Lo and behold, Johnny's in the waiting room right now. Let's bring in Andrew Barry. We have a special guest. Yes, bring him in. Now, okay, now I, you know, you touched on something there that brought brought about something in my head here, John. You know, you guys said, you know, unfortunately, we're coming to a point where he doesn't have to make that decision on Baker Mayfield uh, this year, right? But you just also talked about that the window is open for two or three years. Do they have the time? Are, are they afforded the time right now to to be able to make that decision on Baker, or is it going to be, I don't know, six games in next year? They go to you know whoever the bag is. I don't know if Case is here for another year, or or do they have the time in this window of opportunity to wait for Baker and see if he is going to be that person? That's a really good point. That's a really good point because you thought the pressure was on this year. The pressure is really going to be on next year for Baker Mayfield to perform. I am not a, you know, there, there are two sides of the Baker argument with fans. And I think that there is a large subset of fans that are beholden to Baker because they feel like they finally got a quarterback after decades of waiting and they can't possibly let themselves believe that Baker's not the guy. That's not me. I didn't grow up here. I didn't grow up a fan of the Cleveland Browns. I see this as somewhat of an outsider's perspective uh, from the inside, right? I believe in Baker Mayfield. I think he's extremely talented. Does he have his shortcomings? Yeah. I mean, everybody on the field has their shortcomings for the most part, except Tom Brady. Um, right. right. <laughs> I believe in Baker. But Chad, you're right. Like at what point next season, you know, the schedule hasn't even come out yet. We have no clue how, how good they're going to be next season. Maybe they'll be six and oh, but that who knows? Uh, but you're right. And that's going to be, you thought that there were whispers this year. Those whispers are going to be, um, you know, outright roars. If Baker Mayfield is not performing to the level that we all expect him to next season. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, go put your money down. John Doss says the Browns are going to be six and O to start the season next yeah. year. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> go put your money. Packers and the Ravens <laughs> and the Cardinals and the Rams and the Bucks all in the first five weeks, I'm sure. Oh, so like Perfect. this year. So just like this year, it's fine. Everything was great. Uh, all right, John. Uh, so listen, it's been a great time talking about you're You're a sports anchor for Channel 5, though. Uh, uh, and so one last question I have before we let you go prep for the 11 o'clock news here tonight. Uh, uh, you've been paying attention to all the sports in town, right? Yeah, diehard Monsters fan. Huge, huge Monsters fan. Huge, huge Monsters, monsters fan. Well, we're, well, we're a, we're a big-time hockey uh, uh, program here. So uh, the Cavaliers win by 35 points tonight. Yeah, they let their foot off the gas a little bit. <laughs> yeah, at the end. That's a problem. Uh, kind of like the Browns. Just uh, let it get a little too close for comfort there at the end. Uh, uh, you've been here since 2019. Uh, you've been covering. You've been watching the Cavs. You've been reporting on the Cavs. Uh, you know, at, from the from the anchor desk there. Uh, should we all be as excited as we all are about this Cavaliers team? Like, uh, this is awesome. Yeah, t- uh, twenty eighteen. My first uh, my first day on air. I was doing live shots at the Cavs playoff game against uh, I think the Pacers or whoever they played in the first round that year. Oh, that but series I sucked. See, I did. Yeah, I did get to see that last LeBron run in twenty eighteen. There you go. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. This feels like, and people maybe might hate this analogy. This feels like Warriors 2015 team. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship. I'm not saying that, but this is a team that you mostly built from within. Now, all of a sudden, everybody thinks Kobe Altman's a genius. Everybody's been hating this guy. (laughs) (laughs) The guy's a genius, but you built this team for the most part within. You hit a home run with Jared Allen. And like, you know, everybody's looking at Kobe Altman this season, this offseason and saying, well, you know, the NBA has kind of changed and you went out and got 12 seven footers. Like, how's this going to work? And, uh, it has worked. It's almost like the NBA had gone so perimeter centric now that it was almost ripe for a big team like this to come back in now, right? Like everything kind of seems cyclical. And now it's the Cavaliers that seem to have a mismatch, right? And uh, I think this is for real. I think that Garland and, and Mobley are for real. And what I like most about them is their personalities. They don't have these mega ego personalities at least from what i could see who knows maybe they're jerks in real life i don't know but <laughs> they seem like guys that could stay here you know and yeah. that's the most yeah. important thing with building a franchise in cleveland is it feels like you have a Giannis type of player that is going yeah. to stick around that you can build around evan mobley and darius garland and that they're going to be here for a long time and that for the first time feels different than since LeBron left, right? And even when LeBron was here, none of those teams felt like these guys were going to be around. This is the first time it feels like you're building something from the ground up and it's working and it's only going to get better. I'm, I'm going into this game tonight and they played Houston, which is a trash team anyways. They're bad. And Houston's got a couple players out of this game. And I'm seeing people like, oh, don't get too high if the Cavs, you know, just dog walk the Rockets because the Rockets got these play- I'm like, you do re- Evan Mobley didn't play tonight. Colin Sexton was the leading scorer on the team before he got hurt, and he is out. Yeah. And they walked him by 35. Like, to what, what a path that we are now on with the Cavs. Now we're talking about don't get too high after a win because the other team isn't playing their players. Do you... Do we know what we have been through the last couple of years to beat any team? It was really, um, you know, credit J.B. Bickerstaff and Kevin Love for coming together. And, you know, Love has turned back the clock, man. Kevin Love has been spectacular coming off the bench for this team and relishing that role. Not a lot of guys. Now, granted, he's getting paid a lot of money for a guy that hadn't played a lot of games here the last couple of years. But there's not a lot of superstars, former superstars, guys with that resume that want to play that role that want to come off the bench and, and be the mentor to these other guys. The Ricky Rubio pickup. Oh, my God. Like when that yeah. like, what, Ricky Rubio, who gives a shit? The guy, that, <laughs> the guy that got drafted ahead of Steph Curry. Like, that's how he's going to be known forever, right? Minnesota <laughs> fucked that up. Uh, and he's been fantastic. <laughs> he's been spectacular. And their they're points off the bench, and it just – they seem to really be working well together. Like, everything seems to be going in the right direction. Good for a change, huh? That's, man, uh, it's such nice. a beautiful brand of basketball. I've always said it's the Cavaliers town, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right. Yeah. I believe we had 1.7 billion people at the parade in 2016, so it was yeah, fine. Everything's great. at the parade when the Browns <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. All right, John Doss, we'll let you go. We'll let you get ready for the news. Man, this was a, this was a great time. 
we uh, we were very excited to see that you were agreeable to come on with us, uh, and hopefully we can do it again. Maybe we find a time where we can do it where we can crack a a, a, a beverage with you. It doesn't have to be a beer. It can be any beverage you want. But, uh, uh, John, we really, really appreciate it. Again, if you want to catch John Doss, go find him online on Twitter. He loves Twitter. Don't you dare uh, so find me on Twitter. Go find Leave him on Twitter. Me. Leave me alone. Uh, he did confirm to us before the uh, before the podcast that he's faking the voice. So make sure you bring that up to him on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that we got an hour into this before you said that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And make sure you catch him on Brown's Countdown. Catch him on Channel Five. John Doss, man, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, guys. Let's do it again, okay? And once again, a humongous thank you goes out to John Doss. Go follow him on Twitter or don't. Because I don't know if he wants you to. <laughs> Don't find him at all. <laughs> but go follow him on Twitter at John Doss. Uh, in reality, uh, especially with some of the conversations we were able to have with John. Uh, and guys, we talked about this. I'm not afraid to say this actually on the podcast. John is very professional. And he holds himself a certain way on TV. And, and my friends, when we... the First second we got on the horn with John and we brought him up, he was just cracking jokes and just kind of being one of the guys. And I was so not prepared for it. So John Doss is a good dude. He's very funny. Uh, and and obviously he knows his stuff, especially about the Browns, about the NFL. He's been doing covering the NFL for 10 years. Humongous thank you to John Doss. And the voice is real, boys. The voice is real. The voice is real. I, I, you know, I'm calling kind of calling bullshit too, because I think the years are real too. You think the years are real? I think the years are real. I think that's fair. real. I think that's fair. Listen, great time. Uh, John Doss, uh, a really good time with him. A huge thank you again goes out to him. You can find him on channel five. You can find him on Brown's countdown. Dude's won an Emmy for that. Uh, as he fulfills all of our Brown's fantasies by hanging out with Brown's legends week in and week out. But, uh, uh, again, a huge thanks to him. Boys, real quick before we skip on to kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about on this episode, we finished up by talking with John about the Cavs. And last week, we talked to Justin Rowan about the Cavs. And I don't know that we're going to be able to stop. Like, you know, last year we were doing this podcast and the Cavs started off pretty well. And then they just, injuries bit them and inexperienced bit them and they, and, and, and really the season ended quite poorly for the Cavaliers last year. I don't think we're going to be able to stop talking about the Cavs kind of like we did last year. This team is, it is spectacular. They are spectacular. They have won. They have won now, I think five games this season. I think this team has won five games this season. Okay. So, so let me preface this. The Cavaliers have had the hardest schedule in the league so far of any team in the league. Mm-hmm. They have had the hardest schedule. They have played more contenders so far this year than anybody in the league. And I think they have five wins by more than 20 points. And they capped it off tonight by a 30, 35 point victory over Houston. <laughs> yeah. Boys, Justin told us this last week. This schedule is only going to get easier. It started tonight with Houston. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it's like a way out on a limb to say, I think we might be hosting a playoff series this year in Cleveland. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the way this team is playing and the way this team is going to continue to play. Uh, you know, you've got the easiest schedule the rest of the way and you've got uh, this Cavaliers. I mean, forget the offense for a second, just the way this team plays, plays team defense, you know, it, you know, Evan Mobley missed tonight, Mike, but you know what? You've got three other seven footers backing them up. So yeah, it's right. not like it, it, it's a plug and play type situation. You've got another, you've got another seven footer sitting behind him that's going to affect a shot or or get in the or, or is going to be tough to get around because of his length. It is, it is I'm almost more impressed with this team defense than I am the offense. And the offense is really, really good. Well, but, and the funny. Go ahead. No, I was say, but in the a in this age of the NBA, where it is really, really hard uh, to defend, and it and it and it seems like the NBA just plays absolutely zero defense nowadays. This team is shutting teams down, uh, and it's all due in part to the fact that this team is just so long and athletic, and they block shots, and it's just it's incredible how they play them. But it's but it's also effort. On defense, yeah. and, I, and I think yeah. the credit has to go to the coaches and the players, right? It isn't just about having seven-footers out there because there's plenty of seven-footers that play NBA basketball that suck ass on defense. Sean plenty Bradley. of them. Plenty of them. That are, <laughs> I don't think he's still playing his chin. I don't think, oh. I don't think Sean Bradley Sorry about at that. seven foot six inches is still playing. Sorry about, Sorry about uh, that. There's plenty of big, huge, seven-foot athletic dudes that are good at a lot of things that really suck ass on defense. The effort that this Cavaliers team is putting in on all elements at all parts of the court is crazy. They are playing insane defense, not because they're just inherently gifted with this ability to play defense, but because they're putting the effort in. And that is the crazy thing. You look at tonight's box score, right? Darius Garland, 21 points, three assists. How about Isaac Okoro, another 20-point game? That's now, I think, four, maybe five straight games for Isaac Okoro. I think over the last five games, Isaac Okoro is averaging 18 points. Look <laughs> out. Look out. Another game where Laurie Markkinen was okay. 12 points, 50% shooting. Dean Wade steps into the starting lineup to replace Evan Mobley and scores 16 points on three of five from three. Jared Allen, not even a good, like, he took eight shots, scored six points. My favorite thing about this Cavs team is that it's coming from all of them. Yeah. It's not one guy, and that's been the issue in recent years. And this is not a knock on Colin Sexton. He had to be the guy. Colin Sexton had to score 35 points for them to win. Colin Sexton had to dominate the ball for them to win. Now, even with Colin back, and they were playing, remember, they were playing just as well with Colin in the in the lineup as they are without him. But Colin Sexton turned into like an 18-point, like five-assist guy. Yeah. And they all have just kind of found this role with this team. And you know what the crazy thing about it, and we talked about it a little bit with John, they're not doing – they don't have to do – none of this is like trick play or like or like they don't have to be gadgety. It, uh-huh. it almost feels easy. Right. And I think when right. he brought up the 2015 Warriors – and again, that doesn't mean the Cavs are going to win any titles anytime soon because who knows. But I think when he brought up the 2015 Warriors, that's what he was talking about. 
it's easy for this team. They're they're not there's nothing that they're doing that's like out of their own ordinary. No. And that's the crazy thing about it. No. Yeah, it's it's you know, when you look at that Warriors team is is nobody nobody needed the ball on that Warriors team. Okay, nobody needed right. it at all. You know, it was it was it was shared. They were scoring from everywhere. They had shooters all over the place. And that's exactly what this team does. You know, Darius Garland, obviously, he's a point guard. He's a main ball handler. But there's contributions from everywhere yes. on this team. And, you know, when you don't have, you know, in the NBA, when it takes, you know, it only needs, you only need one or two guys to go off to, to, to win some basketball games. But when you are getting contributions from everywhere, that's something special in the making. And that's exactly what this Cavs team has. Yeah, boys, I, I think uh, I think there's a lot of special things going on. And I think the Cavs are going to be a problem for anybody. And, and, and I'm, I'm now confident saying that I watched them. I watched them lose a couple games to Milwaukee, who they should have beat, and to Utah, who they could have beat. But I'll tell you, this game was fun against Houston. The game, the game that really speaks to me is this game they just played against Miami. Uh, this is the team that was most similar to them record-wise. And this is a team that everybody views uh, Miami to be a contending team. And the Cavs played in what would be called a close game, but beat them by 11. Beat them by double digits. Uh, They did not fold. Every time Milwaukee would make a run, the Cavs would make a run. Oh, I'm sorry. Every time Miami would make a run, the Cavs would make a run. And so, uh, yeah, I, th- I think fun basketball is here. And I think, again, Justin Rowan said this last week, and it's the thing that just sits in my head. And now we've watched them win a few games since last week. The thing that's sitting in my head, they've done all of this without sacrificing anything in their future. Yeah. They have all of their draft picks. They have everything that they need to continue to contend and they haven't sacrificed any of it. Like, this team's just going to get better. You know what's going to be weird? And you know what's the weird part about this, Mike? You, you know? You want to know? You want to know? Oh, oh, can you tell me? It's going to make me watch basketball more. Let's <laughs> that go. Is something, that is something I just I, – I don't do. I, I, I just don't do that because, the, you know, for, for years and years, I've just I, – I do not like the NBA, but – this brand of basketball that this team is playing is exciting. Like this is the type of this is the type of basketball that I fell in love with in those Mark Price years, when it was just yeah. contributions from everywhere and just and, and it was just a beautiful brand of basketball. And I just love how this team is playing. It's going to make me watch more games, and I'm so excited to do it. I love it. So the Cavs win by 35 tonight, uh, and they embark upon what, what's very fun about it. This, and this isn't a fluke. We are what 30. What, 30 what games into the season? We are 30 games exactly into the season. The Cavs are 18 and 12. It's an 82-game season. We are almost halfway through the season. And this is what the Cavs are doing. And the best thing is, for as much as the first part of their season was the hardest part of their season, the rest of their season is, is, again, you shouldn't say easy as if there's no tight games. But, like, they have the easiest ranked schedule uh uh, in the league. And so lots of optimism. And I really do feel like unless something crazy happens, 
I think you're going to see playoff basketball at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, like home court advantage style uh, as we go on. So uh, before we get out of here, one more big, cool story that I want to bring up. And, and Chad, I know you have some strong feelings on this. Actually, you were tweeting Maurice Claret about it, who, yeah. by the way, uh, a guy we should have on the show, a uh, friend of a couple guys on the podcast, Maurice Claret. Maurice, Maurice, uh, come but, on, come on. But I know you were tweeting him. Yeah. One of the coolest stories, this is the thing I want to end with before we get to our three cheers of the week. One of the coolest stories that I can remember happened today. The top-ranked cornerback in the high school football class, and actually the number two overall uh, player coming out of high school football, he was initially committed to Florida State, and he flipped his commitment today. And on the table at his high school, he had Florida State, he had Georgia, and he had, who else did he have? Auburn. And he threw all those hats aside and he put a hat on for Jackson State. And the number two ranked high school football player in the country is going to play football for head coach Deion Sanders, one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. And Jackson State and HBCU, HBCU, yep. Uh, and I, I think this... Like, I think what Deion Sanders is doing is one of the cool. I, I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And and I and I think this isn't just like a one-off. I think this makes waves. Like, Chad, you're a big college football guy. Yeah. I think this makes waves. I, I, think, I think this is something that could dramatically make a change to the landscape of things moving forward. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. I, I mean, I'd. When a top recruit like that going to an HBCU is just, is it's almost unheard of. It is unheard of. I mean, it is unheard of. It was a history making decision today. And yeah, yeah. I, I think if a lot, I think if other recruits see that a, a kid like this, one of the top recruits in the nation goes there. Yeah. I think they could be influenced now being coached by one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time also plays a part into it. I mean, but you also, but you also see, you see this happening across HBCUs as well, uh, because I, uh, one of the greatest running backs of all time, uh, Eddie George is the head coach over at, I can't remember right now, but it's, it's also an HBCU, but I think, yeah, I, I mean, it's a monumental change in college football. It's, it's, it was a terrific decision by the young man. It was a, it was a courageous decision. Because again, he went against the grain as from what top recruits, uh, from what top recruits do, and if you could see this happening more and more, I, I don't know. I think it only boosts uh, the image uh, of college football, and yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a great decision by the kid. You know what? I I, I also think, um, you know, Deion Sanders. I, I, the, one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time, obviously, to pull a kid like this, I think is is insane. But like, I just feel like I, I feel like I love it for that reason, right? You have these HBCUs, and the African American athlete 
dominates the landscape of college of football. I shouldn't even say college football, but of foot of football. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact I read the kid's statement uh, today. I read uh, I read the statement that the kid gave uh, saying that he was going to go to Jackson State. Right. And it was goosebump inducing. Right. Travis Hunter. Here's this kid, high school kid who could have gone and played literally at any college that he wanted to go play at. And you could tell, like, this wasn't bullshit. You could tell that going to represent an HBCU and playing for Deion Sanders, which, you know, all these people are saying, oh, he made a mistake, say goodbye to his draft stock. You're, this is a cornerback that's going to play under Deion Sanders for the next at least three years. If you don't think his stock is going to go through the roof, you're crazy. I think this is, I think it's awesome. I think these programs should be good. I think they should be able to pull top level talent because, because of the landscape of college football. And I, again, I love the statement. It meant something to this kid to go be a part of an HBCU. And, and he felt like in his statement, he said, I feel like I'm going to be able to make a difference. We're going to be able to make this change. These HBCUs aren't just going to be some random uh, small school programs anymore. We're going to build them up into something. And, and I think they're, I think this is how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these HBCUs are uh, FCS schools. Correct. And, and, and I think it's, you know, if they can get more of these type of athletes at those schools, you could, you could very well see these guys at the, at the top of some, you know, of the FCS tournament in years to come. So yeah, if this could change those type of things and, and bring about that, that could just bring about more history for these, for these HBCUs. Uh, if they're able to get guys in there like this and, and compete and yeah, it's, I, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Eddie George is at Tennessee State, by the way, down by Joe. That's it. That's Tennessee it. State. So here's the last thing I'm going to say about it. Hey, college football fan on social media, I'm talking directly to you. If you're like, is he talking to me? Yeah, probably. All right. I'm talking to you. When a high school football player makes a commitment to a school, and then he flips it before whenever. Um, shut the fuck up. Right. Shut shut the right. fuck up. When right. I see when I see a 47-year-old on Twitter with a Twitter bio that's like Christ follower and loving father, when and and Florida State fan, and then this kid switches his commitment over to Jackson State because he's just doing what he wants to do, and you're right. like, biggest mistake of your life. You apparently don't know what commitment means. You're never going to be successful. And you tweet this shit at the kid. Get a yeah. fucking life. Get a fucking right. life. Oh, right. I, I went, I went through this. So the kid put out an amazing statement. And then I went through the, the mentions on this kid's statement. And there were a lot of really positive ones. So I will say that there were a lot of really positive ones, but there were so many fucking I don't know. I don't know what Dales, I think we used to call them or, 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 or uh, that's what B said. Our friends over there used to call them that just jumped on and were like, biggest mistake of your life. 
apparently you don't know what commitment means. And then there were plenty of worse comments. Shut up. The kid's 18 years old, and he just made probably the, a, a more mature decision that you've ever made. <laughs> Here's the thing. He flipped his commitment from Florida fucking state who hasn't right. been relevant, who hasn't been relevant since what? Dalvin well, they, Cook was there? Since well, they, that, won, and, and, they won a national championship with, with Jameis Winston. Oh, Jameis Winston. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But I mean, but they still, really haven't been that relevant. Outside of that, they haven't been relevant for quite a while. This program is on the downside of things. And, and, and Jackson State just went 11 and 1 this year, and you're being coached by Coach Prime. Okay. It's a little bit more of an attractive offer to go play for one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time and make a historical decision like this than to go be fucking four and eight every just, year or five and seven every year. And not to mention, not to mention, not to mention, how many kids flip commitments all the time just because the situation changes? Okay. You have, you, you know, you, I saw, you know, you mentioned the, the kid from Florida State. Like I saw a bunch of people from Ohio State today. Give that, give that kid who flipped to Texas shit for flipping to Texas. Uh, I don't know. How many kids have flipped to Ohio State? It just, right. fuck it, it just fucking happens. Shit, things change. Things change. So just leave it alone. But here's the thing, and, and, and this goes to the bigger thing, which I want to hear your impressions on, because I, I don't think you really like the transfer portal, Chad, but, but, but it's, I, I, think, I think you are for more of the right reasons. I think a lot of you go online and you see a lot of these asshole like I'm an Ohio State fan. How could you want to how could you want to not play for Ohio State when you're clearly not the starting quarterback and you can go be somewhere else? So fine. But like I think I think your point was more of a gen, like a, a genuine like here's why I don't like the transfer portal. I will I, all I'm going to say on the transfer portal is this in this period of time. Don't tell me what the fuck to do. Yeah. And like, and like, like that's, that's my ultimate thing on it. Right. Like yeah. if I'm studying science at a college and then I go decide to study science at another college, don't tell me I can't do that. Cause I right. can. So right. it's the same thing with a college athlete. Don't, don't tell me that I can't decide, Oh, I don't want to play at Ohio state anymore. I'm going to go play at Texas. Don't tell me that I can't decide I don't want to play Texas anymore. I'm going to go play USC. I'm going to go do whatever the hell I want. And if the offer's on the table, that's what I'm going to do. That's, that's my thing about the transfer portal. And I think you, you're going to make a good point about why you don't love it. But, like, ultimately, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. And that's right. it. And leave me the hell alone. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, and that's the thing. I don't hate the transfer portal. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I, you're right, Mike. I, I don't, I don't love it. And it's, it's strictly from an outsider's perspective, because when you see a guy like a, like a quid Ewers, you know, tr- tr- transfer to Texas, or you see a guy, you, you, well, let me, let me, let me, let me rewind it for a second here. There's a difference for me between a, a high school kid who's flipping his commitment than a, than a guy who is at a school for, you know, a year or, or two, then enters the transfer portal when, I, I, I don't know, when they, it, it, when they don't, when they don't want to compete, when it feels like, because it feels to me like they don't want to compete. And that's just from a strictly outsider's perspective. There could be 
personal reasons. There could be, I'm not going to try and pretend like I know the, uh, the real reasons why these kids are entering the transfer portal, but it just, from an outsider's perspective, it just feels like they don't want to compete for a job. They don't want to put in the work. It feels like they kind of want to be, take the easy way out and be handed a job. And again, I'm fully open to the fact that there's probably extenuating circumstances that go into this. Again, a kid could be homesick. A kid could want to, you know, think that an offensive coordinator at at another school is better suited for his skill set, or or like like Michael Penix Jr., the kid from Indiana, just transferred to Washington to be with his old offensive coordinator. Like it's that kind of things, but at its brass tacks, that's all it seems like to me. That's what I don't like about the transfer portal is it just seems like kids don't want to compete these days and and work for their job. They just want to take the easy way out. And and that's the reason why I don't like the portal, but I understand why the portal exists. So the only thing that I would say is is, is go back to, to Ewers from Ohio State who just transferred to Texas. The guy in front of you was a true freshman this year. Right. And was a Heisman runner-up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you are not going to, and, and you only have a certain amount of time for eligibility. Like right. your eligibility will run out at some point. You are not going to see the field for at least the next two years. Right. Because CJ Stroud is like, you can say, oh, he could go compete for the job all you want. CJ Stroud, you can make every argument that that guy should have won the Heisman this year. You you can sure. make every argument that she, he was better than the guy that actually won the Heisman. You can make every argument for that. Right. So, like, I get it. Well, okay, you're not – this dude is – this guy was one of the highest-touted recruits coming in, and then Ohio State decided to go a different way. So I don't think it's him not wanting to compete. You're not going to compete. Yeah, this dude yeah, was I, the Heisman this year. Yeah, you're I know. That was, a, that was a bad example. That's just the first name that popped into my mind. But, no – I get again. That's that would be part of the extenuating circumstances. Like I get it. You know, you, you don't think you're you're going to see the field. You don't when you don't think you're going to see the field for a few years. Yeah, I get it. I get that part of it. But yeah, I, I'm just talking. It's it's. I'm definitely just generalizing. I'm not. I'm I not gotcha. pointing. I'm not trying to like point to any one specific situation. Like like Slovis, the kid from USC, is entering the transfer portal, who's been the starter there for years and has played really really well. Like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it was that type of stuff, but yeah, I, I get it. I don't, there's, I get, there's I get, always going to be, there's always going to be the situations where you're like, ah, oh, that one sucks. Tate Martel, I, I will say Tate Martell forever. Tate Martell <laughs> made the biggest mistake of his life when he transferred out of Texas A&M to go to Ohio state. It was the biggest right. mistake he has ever made in his entire life. Right. That's the guy that you're like, why would you have done that? Right. But like for the most part, at, at, at the same time, for the most part, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And yeah, and, NIL, and the NIL is definitely uh, going to change things. Yeah. You know, it's going to change things for, for kids Agreed. who want to go to a situation where they can make most money. But you know what? It, it, it's a crazy time in the transfer portal. Uh, uh, signing day was today. So a lot of those schools, uh, my alma mater, Texas A&M, the number one ranked uh, uh, signing day class this year. So we'll see what happens with that. They've got to do something with it. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. So boys, this has been a fun episode, but you know what happens at the end of our episode. It's time 
for us to wrap this thing up, which means it's time for us to get into our three cheers of the week. And Joey, we haven't heard from you in like, I don't know, forever. So why don't we send it down to you in Nashville, buddy? And why don't you give us your cheer of the week this week? I, I am like the most notorious, like last minute stereotypical Christmas shopper. And I want to cheer just all the people delivering packages right now because <laughs> literally like last year was kind of kind of rough. This is such a first world problem, but for, last year was kind of rough with kind of like getting everything in on time. And this year, like, I feel like I'm ahead of the schedule because like everything's already kind of done and uh, I don't have to like stress about it. And it's fantastic. So cheers to those people. All right. Joe giving it out to the delivery people out there, especially your Amazon, UPS, all those people, be your mailman, getting those packages out to you for Christmas. I appreciate it. I think that's a good cheer, Joe. Chad, what's your cheer of the week? Uh, my cheer goes out to Mechanical One, an air conditioning company in Florida, Mike. Keeping everybody wow. cool. Keeping wow. everybody keeping everybody cool. <laughs> no. Oh, no. No, uh, really, it's a nice cheer. Uh, you know, in... in you know, a lot of companies, you know, take care of their employees in different ways, Mike. But I just read a story that this air conditioning company has bought two $500,000 plots of land. And they're going to be in a drawing. And they're going to give both of these free homes, mortgage-free homes, away to two of their employees. They're going to oh, have a drawing for Christmas. It. They're going to uh, have a drawing at Christmas. And they're going to give two houses away to two employees. I love Okay. What was the name of the company again? Mechanical One. Mechanical One. Shout out to you, Mechanical One. All right. Uh, I love that. That's a, that is a feel-good cheer, Chad. I appreciate it you is. for that. And since uh, I'm not going to be here for the holiday episode next week, I figured I'd bring some holiday cheer. Oh. I can just hear the sleigh bells ringing and the people singing. In praise of your cheer. Uh, Adorbs. So mine's, mine's also a holiday cheer, but it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's a parent. It's a parental holiday cheer. Oh, God. My cheer, is, my cheer goes out to Tinsel. What? Yeah, right. And, and y'all are probably like, what the hell is he talking about? Tinsel is the name of my elf on the shelf in this house. Oh. Okay. Tinsel, Tinsel was... Uh, the byproduct of us spending way too much money at a store in Rocky River. And they were like, if you spend this much, you get an elf on the shelf. And we got one. <laughs> and this was oh, nice. years ago. This was years ago. And I will never forget the night because the lady at this store looked at us and goes, and this was before we had our daughter. So it was just our son. And she goes, oh, you probably don't want this one because it's a girl elf. And I was like, you think my ki- my son gives a shit if it's a girl elf or a boy elf? Just give me the goddamn elf. Like, I don't care. <laughs> so she gives us the elf. It's a girl. Her name is Tinsel because that's what Patrick named her. Okay. It's the guy. Oh, it's, beautiful. It's, it's the oh, greatest. Oh, okay. Right. It's the greatest babysitting tool on the planet. It's the greatest babysitting tool on the planet, Elf on the Shelf, whoever created the goddamn idea for Elf on the Shelf, I love you. You're my hero. Thank you for everything. Because as a parent, specifically as a parent of a four-year-old, when my son starts acting up a little bit, when my son starts being a pain in the ass, he doesn't want to go to bed. He doesn't want to brush his teeth. He wants to do this or that. You know what I do? 
Hey, buddy, Tinsel's watching you. That's right. And she reports back to Santa. My kid goes to bed like it's like it's his job. Like, boom, going to bed, Dad. See ya. I'll be like, we don't even tell him it's time to go to bed. And we're like, he'll be like, oh, Tinsel's watching me. I got to go to bed. Yeah, you yeah. do. Go brush those teeth and get in bed, son. I'm watching Ted Lasso. Let's go. <laughs> whoever created Grind Elf on the Shelf. Who, uh, yes. Whoever created Elf on the Shelf, we, I appreciate you because my son listens to your invention more than he will ever listen to me for the rest of time. And I just appreciate that. So my, my cheers goes out to the Elf on the Shelf. Wow. Do you guys do Elf yeah. on the Shelf, Chad? Yeah, sure do. Uh, its name is Peas. Uh, and it uh, Peas. No, it's Peas, oh, like uh, the vegetable. Uh, <laughs> daughter decided to give it that name uh, as she was eating peas. And she noticed that there was an elf for the first time up on the shelf. And she named it Peas. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we named that. And, Mike, I've used, the, uh, I've used it in the exact same way. Uh, you just talked about right now, anything like when I want them to do anything, when they want need to listen, when they need to put something away, clean up their mess. Oh, oh, peas is watching. You better show peas that you can be a big girl or, or big boy. And they're like, I want to. And then they just immediately go and do it. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That's it. I love it. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Episode 95 again. Uh, huge. Thank you. Goes out to our special guest this week, uh, John Doss from Channel 5. Had a great time talking with him. Uh, also, thank you goes out to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network and the Unhinged Radio Network. We appreciate them as well. Uh, and uh, as always, go check us out at The Garage Beers on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you're looking for some last-minute holiday gifts, I can get these in the mail. We've got Garage Beer shirts and hats at uh, uh, www.garagebeershop.com. Go check them out or check us out there and get your Garage Beers merch. But uh, that's going to do it for Episode 95. Again, stay tuned. We have a lot of exciting things coming up on the Garage Beers podcast. You do not want to miss it. So make sure you are following our social media. For Joey down there in Nashville at Garage Beers Joe, for Chad on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers Chad, I am Michael Keefe saying, at Garage Beers Mike saying, hope you had a great time listening to this one. Go Browns. We'll see what happens, but uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers, everybody. (laughs) 